You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Lord, your presence is so rich as we gather together as the family of Christ in this place. You just you come and meet with us in such a tangible and a real way. You kind of reset our perspective on what matters, on the priorities of heaven, and we just thank you for that. And I pray in these next few moments as we open up your word, that, Lord, you would take that even further. You'd just give us insight into the mind of Christ, into the perspective of heaven for a moment, so that we can live out our faith day to day, throughout our week, in this city, Lord, in our families, in our workplaces, in the schools. We pray, Lord, empower us, equip us. Open our eyes in your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning, I'm excited to share a message with you called The Wonder of Worship. The Wonder of Worship. If you guys remember, if you've been with us for a little while, the beginning of 2018, in January, I just declared in faith over our church family that I believed that 2018 was a year of breakthrough for all of us. A year of breakthrough for you, for your family, regarding the things that you are facing. The toil and the struggle of things maybe that you've struggled with for years, months, weeks, maybe for some decades. I believe in 2018 can be that year of breakthrough. From addictions, from mindsets, from struggles. I believe that's God's best for your life. That there would be this kind of wind of heaven, wind at your sails. Pushing you, propelling you beyond where you've been in the past. It's a year of breakthrough. And what I've found in my own life, time and time again, that breakthrough has come through the place of worship. Because it's in the place of worship that all of a sudden my perspective changes. My eyes are lifted off of my momentary circumstances, the things that burden me and weigh me down, and all of a sudden my perspective is lifted to a higher plane, to God in his sufficiency, God in his sovereignty, God in his power and his glory. And it pushes me beyond where I've been. That's what I'm talking about in breakthrough. I'm not talking about a life of ease and plush uh, prosperity in every way. I'm talking about breakthrough from the muck and the mire of things that have held you back now, pushing you beyond to a, to a higher plane, to, to a, a new level in Christ. Amen? And so this morning, I want to talk about that, that gateway into breakthrough, which is worship. It's the place of worship. We've been talking through different Psalms of David in this series called Wonder, hoping to captivate our hearts with the wonder and the glory and the majesty of God if you've been with us. God is so worthy of all of our affection and all of our attention. And I want to tell you this morning that you and I were created for worship. God created us for worship. And actually, from the moment that you and I come into this world, we naturally worship something some things, someone. We do it naturally. Because worship is simply affection and adoration. Worship is, the things, worship is the things that we give our attention and our affection and our energy and our resources, our money to. Those are the things we worship. And so from the moment we're brought into this world, we are worshipers. But that longing to worship is never, fill, never fulfilled, never satisfied until we encounter God 
in his glory, in his power. There's an aspect of worship that comes alive that we were created for when we worship our creator God. I want us to talk about that this morning. That's actually the logical progression as we've been talking about the wonder of God, the majesty, the the beauty of God, the natural response to being captivated by the wonder of God is then for us to fall on our knees and to worship God, to express our affection and our adoration for who he is. So we're going to talk about Psalm 63 this morning, but I want to start by actually just sharing a quick story from John chapter 4. You don't need to turn there because I will quickly summarize it. It's a story of Jesus passing through a region called Samaria. He's passing through with his disciples, with his posse, and they're tired from the journey. And Jesus rests at this well, this public well, and the disciples go into town to pick up some McDonald's or Chick-fil-A. I'm not sure which it is. You can check it out in John 4 for yourself later. They go on into town to pick up some grub, and Jesus is hanging out at the well, and he steps into a conversation with this Samaritan woman, this unexpected Samaritan woman who would never expect for this Jewish man, let alone a Jewish leader and teacher, to speak to her. But he starts his conversation with her by asking her for a drink. Hey, can I have a a drink of water? And then he stops her, and he actually says, you know, I don't need a drink, but actually, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And he said, the water you drink from me would allow for you to never thirst again. And actually, when you, for those that drink from me, it'd be like streams of living water flowing from within. That living water that you and I thirst for from the moment we step into this world that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he talks about that in John chapter 4. But then they go on to have a conversation about whether the, the, Jew, the Jews had it right in their worship of God or whether the Samaritans, she was a Samaritan, kind of a half-breed, as the Jews would see it. They worship God in a different way. Which, which is right? Which is correct? And Jesus says this in John chapter 4, verse 23, verse 24. It says, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So I want to tell you this morning, the time is here, the hour is here. For you and I to worship in spirit and truth. He told that to the Samaritan woman 2,000 years ago, and it still t- stands true today. The time is here for you and I to worship our creator God in spirit and in truth. For our adoration and our affection to be solely his. And the type of worship that Jesus is describing here is a worship that's way beyond whether or not things are going well for us or whether or not things are going poorly for us. It's so beyond circumstantial expression of gratitude. It goes well beyond that. And I want to talk about that this morning in the context of Psalm 63. And here's our main idea before I even jump into Psalm 63. It's circumstances, circumstances do not determine our worship. Our worship is an expression of who God is despite our circumstances. That's what true worship is. It's our declaration of who he is and his unchanging character and his unchanging steadfastness. That's our declaration of faith expressing who he is despite our circumstances. So it's not that God does not care about your circumstances. I'll, I'll talk about that this morning. It's not that your circumstances are, re- are irrelevant. 
It's your circumstances actually play a role in our worship, and I want to I want to talk about that this morning. Psalm 63. Many of the psalms that we've been talking about through the book of Psalms have been psalms from King David. In his riches, in his influence, in his accomplishments, he summarizes his greatest heart's desire to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He could travel the world, see the wonders of the world. He could eat at the, the best buffets and have anything at his fingertips. And yet he says his one desire, Psalm 27, verse 4, my one desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That's how he would break it down. This is his one greatest desire. But when we get to Psalm 63 here, this is not King David. It's, it actually gives us context into when David was writing this. It says a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And there were, there were many times in David's life when he was in the wilderness of Judah, but one of the most prominent times in, in David's life that he was in the wilderness of Judah was when he was on the run from King David. King David burned with this, this, this burning jealousy of hatred for David. David had risen in favor in the eyes of the people. It seemed like everything David did, he was just great at, and there was just favor. Favor followed David. And it just ate Saul alive, so much so that he like, abdicated his, his uh, duties as king. And his one mission was to, to let's, let's chase down David. Let's take him out. That was his sole mission. It became this big distraction for King Saul as he neared the end of his life. And so this is the context that I want you to have in mind as we read, as we read Psalm 63, because it just makes the... the um, this psalm, all the more powerful. If you can picture David, not in the plushness of the palace, not with servants surrounding him, but instead on the run in the wilderness. David not knowing if tomorrow he will live another day. He's sleeping in caves, sleeping in uncomfortable places. He's hungry, he's tired, he's thirsty. And this is then what he writes. He says, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hand. So I think it's profound that so quickly... David goes from a man of desperation to a man that's declaring the praise of God with joyful lips. He's lifting up his hands, declaring who God is so quickly. In verse 5, he says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. This is the wilderness man. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right, up, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. That's humble David but boldly confident in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And that transaction, that transformation, happened through the, pla through the place of worship. And that's the type of breakthrough I'm talking about in your life. 
that comes through the place of worship. All of a sudden, our perspective changes. Our mindset changes. Things that at one, one point should overwhelm us from all logical reasoning, from outside perspective, it should overwhelm us. But David, he has complete confidence in God as his victor, as the one who is going to fight on his behalf and have his back until the very end. So circumstances do not determine our worship. Our worship is an, is an expression of who God is despite our circumstances. So let's just take a look at verses 1 through 4. Let's break this down. I actually believe that our circumstances are relevant to our worship, and this is how. I believe our, work, our circumstances can reveal what our hearts thirst for, what it is that we really thirst for deep down in our souls. And David starts by saying that very thing, that his soul thirsts for what? Was it for the throne of being king, to be crowned as king? Was it power? Was it control? Was it riches? No, he says, God, for you I thirst. My soul longs for you. You are my greatest thirst. And I would say that many times we have these very superficial thirsts that we try to satisfy through the things around us. And hence, almost our bad circumstances get perpetuated. If we take for a consideration, the, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus in John chapter 4, he got her attention. He, he revealed to her that he was the Messiah by delivering her a word of knowledge. Mid-conversation, he tells her, he reads her mail. He says, I actually know the man that you're living with is not your husband at all. You've been married three other times. And all of a sudden she realized this is not just a teacher, not just a, a rabbi not even a prophet, this man is the Messiah, it was the Holy Spirit now revealing, opening her eyes to this re reality. And it was revealed to her. But this is a woman who, she's had plenty of bad experiences, I can guarantee you. Relationships for her, this thirst for relationship, which can only be fulfilled through God, had failed her time and time again in relationships, through all these marriages and relationships with, with other men. She's like any of us. She probably had that thirst for her, uh, for her kids to fulfill her in some way, but that always fails us. Maybe it was through the grind of just accomplishing amazing things day after day after day. Well, now she's an outcast. This woman is coming to the public well at midday when no one else was around because this woman was an outcast. It had failed her. The grind of day-to-day -day living had failed her. These these trying to satisfy the thirst of her soul through these other things had left her coming up dry. If we consider King David, he had plenty of great blessings upon his life. This man won battles of legendary proportion. This man had favor that followed him. It seemed like everything that he put his hand to just had favor. But even our good circumstances can point us towards God, because David had the humility to recognize that all those things are fleeting. Even the, the best of circumstances are not the, the sole reason to worship God. God is worthy of our worship regardless of our circumstances. And David realized that. And now he's in some bad circumstances. And yet he is immoved in his worship, in his adoration of who God is, good or bad. So I want to declare over your life, whether you're in a season of desperation, a season, a wilderness season, whether you're in a season of abundance or blessing, 
All of those circumstances can channel us, can funnel us towards worship of God. Because either the good is fleeting and God is still worthy, or either the bad is ultimately in his control and in his immovable sovereign plan, and we can declare that over our lives. Our soul's deepest thirst that Jesus talked about in John chapter 4, the deepest thirst of our soul is only fulfilled through that encounter, that worship encounter with God, the God of the universe. So David, he says, he says it from his own mouth that he is a thirsty man. But he doesn't even necessarily acknowledge the fact that he's probably physically thirsty. If he's hiding out in the cave, like in 1 Samuel, that story where he's hiding out in the cave, he comes across um, this uh, angry and jealous Saul. He's probably physically thirsty, but he recognizes the deeper thirst. It's not to be king. It's not for power. It's not for glory of all these people. God, my thirst is you and you alone. And then he recalls how that had been revealed to him. It was in the sanctuary, in the very presence of God, the power and glory was revealed to David. And now he says, God's steadfast love is better than life. It's better than anything I can experience on this planet. It's better than life. God has obviously given us a, phys a, a physical thirst mechanism, which is a survival mechanism. Our bodies crave water because our bodies need water. But imagine when we try to quench our thirst through artificial means. We go to pop or soda, whatever you call it, and, or sugary drinks. We try to, they, they may taste really great going down, but they don't quench the, the deepest thirst that we have physically. The deepest thirsts are only satisfied through the purity of cool, refreshing water. And so it is in Christ, in God, and to a greater degree, obviously. These thirsts that we sense, our circumstances pique our senses to the thirsts of our soul, the longings of our heart. And we're always tempted to, to satisfy them superficially, through the here and the now. But you know what, that, what happens when we try to satisfy them through superficial means is it brings us back to the same things time and time again. That's when we keep hitting our heads against the same walls over and over again. We keep finding ourselves in the same muck and the mire, the same mindset patterns year after year. It's because we're not getting it. We're not recognizing the deepest thirsts of our soul. That's what our circumstances can do. It can reveal to us the deepest circumstances of our soul. So if we, if we then get to verses 5 through 8, that kind of second set of verses, I believe that worship then, because this is really when he taps in to the greatest climax of his de declaration of worship, is I believe worship can reveal our satisfaction in God. That those deepest thirsts are only satisfied in God alone. This is David hiding out in a cave, probably using a rock as a pillow. He's tired, he's thirsty, he's hungry, he's dirty. He's got a kind of a ragtag group of men kind of following him along. But it's not the prominence that was prophesied over him. Prophet Samuel said he's going to be king. He could have thrown a temper tantrum and said, hey, I'm supposed to be king. Why am I hiding out here in a, in a stinking cave? What, what is going on? But no, instead, he declares what is true. He says, my soul will be satisfied with fat and rich, with fat and rich food, 
My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I believe David actually had many moments of joy with actually a smile on his face, not in a superficial way, but where God was refreshing his soul in a significant way, despite his circumstances. That God has been his help, that God has been his refuge. Twice in this portion, he, de- he declares his joy before the Lord. He says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So it's through this worship encounter that this transformation takes place. When we allow ourselves and our, circ- our circumstances to bring us to this place of worship, quickly what happens, and I've seen it time and time again in my life, that this transformation takes place. That I begin to see God in his proper light as sovereign one, as powerful one, as the one who satisfies me richly, abundantly. That is the transformation that takes place through worship. Are you tracking with me this morning? It's real. It's tangible. It's accessible for every single person in this place. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that group of worshipers that Jesus talks about in John chapter 4. So the, the hour is coming. In fact, the hour is here when, when true worshipers will worship, the God, will worship God in spirit and truth. I want to be a part of that group of true worshipers. And so there's a pattern that's set in motion here that I want you to say yes to this morning. It's this pattern of recognizing our thirst and then being satisfied in Christ recognizing our thirst and then being satisfied in Christ. Thirsting, being satisfied. Thirsting, being satisfied. When you say yes to that pattern in your life, through the circumstances, the trials, the difficulties, the good, the bad, the blessings, the abundance, the wilderness, all of it, when you just start recognizing your thirst in its deepest satisfaction in God alone, what happens is breakthrough. And you see that in verses 9 through 11. Because David is immoved. He's unshakable in his confidence that God is victorious. So this life of worship reveals the breakthrough of God. I am, it breaks my heart as I was just praying even last night in preparation for this morning. I was grieved in my heart as I began interceding for our church because I believe there's many believers that just believe their lot in life is going through the same cycles the same muck and mire, day after day, week after week, and believing a breakthrough or victory is not for them. That is not the mindset of David here in Psalm 63. He is confident that God is his victor, that even kings in their power and their authority will exalt the Lord. That's what he says in verse 11. The king shall rejoice in God. They're all going to bow before God Almighty. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. They're going to be meat in the grand scheme of eternity and God's sovereignty and God's power over what's happening. So I want to declare over you that breakthrough is that moment where that momentum of that rhythm that I talked about begins to carry you forward past the toils and the struggles of, of things you've faced in your past. All of a sudden, there's this breath of heaven, this wind from heaven that begins to carry your sails as you begin to allow your circumstances to push you to your knees in declaration of who God is despite your circumstances. So I want to throw a little bit of a curveball at you this morning. I'm actually going to ask the worship team to come forward. 
I want us to end a little differently this morning. I think many times we think of worship as 20 or 25 minutes during a Sunday morning service, but I want worship in, in, our, in our souls, in our lives, in our minds to be so much more than that. I also believe that sometimes we think of worship just as music. Worship is so much more than music. Worship is your articulation, your expression, your declaration with your words of who God is. And doesn't take a trained uh, musician, a trained uh, English major to articulate things that, are, uh, that you know that have been revealed to you about who God is. You yourself can declare that God is good. You yourself can declare that God is faithful, that he is worthy, that he is holy, or holy meaning set apart. You can say those things with your own mouth. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If everyone would just stand to their feet in this place. I've asked the worship team to come because I, want I wanted to give time for an extended uh, moment of response. I really believe over this year of breakthrough thing, I really do. And I wanna give you an opportunity as we've been in this series of wonder to respond to God in real worship. Yeah, there'll be words on a screen, they'll be singing a song, but my greatest heart's desire is that you would articulate and express to God who he is. If that means singing along, great. If that means you just bowing before him and expressing it in your own words, then awesome. I want to end with this illustration. Over the last several months, our four-year-old Addison has been waking up in the night crying. Actually, she hasn't been waking up. She's just been crying in her sleep. And I found that out. That's kind of the point of the story. So I thought she was waking up. But in fact, she was just crying in her sleep. And so I would go down night after night, and I'd rub her back. I'd sing her a song. I'd pray for her to no avail because... She'd just start crying again after I walked out of the room. This would go on for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, I know. Probably why I have bags under my eyes and I've had a cold for a long time. It's tough when kids are waking up in the night. But eventually I, I had a thought that maybe she really was sleeping and she was crying in her sleep. So I started doing something. I've done it ever since now. I tap her on the shoulder. And I say, Addison, wake up. Wake up, Addison. And she kind of comes to and she says, yes, daddy, what? What, daddy? And I was like, oh, you're crying. Just go back to sleep now. And she'll turn over and she'll go right back to sleep. And she won't cry again. She's four years old. She's been an amazing sleeper. But she's been going through this season. And she's just crying in her sleep. And she doesn't even know she's crying. But what that reminded me of is the pattern that we can get sucked into in our walks with Christ. Where we just keep crying out, doing the same things over and over. Kind of freaking out about circumstances around us. It's always freak out mode. Everything is crises and everything's always a big issue. And we're not allowing God actually to wake us up to the higher perspective, to the higher plane of reality, of really what matters. God is sovereign. He is powerful. He is good. He is faithful. His love is unfailing. And that's what worship does. Worship is like your heavenly father saying, wake up, <laughs> wake up. Hey, I'm in control. I'm more than capable. I'm more than able. I'm more than faithful. And it's worship. When you lift up your hands or you fall to your knees or you just express from your heart who God is, it's that wake-up moment. God taps you on the shoulder and your eyes are open, just like my daughter Addison. This is what I want to do. I want to invite you forward. There's this front area 
in church culture, we call this the altar area. It's really no different than back there, but I think there's something significant about us getting out of our seats as an expression of faith before the Lord. So I wanna invite you forward here to this front space. You can kneel before the Lord, you can sit, you can stand, or just find a place somewhere to express to the Lord that we're gonna take some time to worship him in our own words. So can we do that? I'm gonna pray as you come. Lord, right now, as we step into this season of breakthrough as a church, we're just saying yes to the deepest thirst of our soul, that the muck and the mire, the circumstances of our life revealed to us, that God, you are our sufficiency. You are our fullest satisfaction. The deepest longings of our soul are fulfilled in you. And right now we're saying yes to those being completely satisfied in you this morning. And I just pray over every single person that they'd be able to express that themselves from their own words, from their own heart. They'd be able to just tell you who you are to them as faithful father, as good, patient creator God. We pray, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.